0: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I'm your host, Chase Krauss. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Um, So, crazy week. I think we all are aware of the current situation in the country right now. And if you're not, you should really watch the news. Uh, there's tons of craziness going on, uh, with you know, starting with the death of uh, George Floyd and the protests and the rioting and you know, all the craziness. It's, if your heart's not broken right now, I think you you got to bring that to prayer uh, because I mean, man, y'all, this is just—it's sad. It's sad on so many levels. There is hopefully not one one Catholic who feels neutral about all this. I and mean, you gotta you gotta feel you gotta get heated about this, y'all. Uh, this is not with all the podcast is going to talk about today, but I, I think it's important to to address it. I don't think it's prudent to pretend like it's not happening and to just kind of go about the podcast in the normal way. This is Catholics with Bibles. Katahalas is where that word Catholic comes from, of the whole, which means to be Catholic. We are pro-life in every single sense of the word. Life, all life, is precious. I don't care what your skin color is. We have had priests and bishops and saints through the ages of every single race and ethnicity out there. God does not look at your skin color. So as a Catholic, we first and foremost state and stand on the solid and firm ground of the church, which says that all life is precious. And because all life is precious, we have to acknowledge that Things like racism are evil, inherently evil. And because all life is precious, we also address the fact that injustice is evil, which obviously includes police brutality. To In order, I mean, the police are there to ensure justice, right? That's That's the goal, to ensure a just society functions well. So therefore, when somebody is acting out violently, they have to act in an appropriate way in order to stop the violence against the innocent. And that's and they have the right to do violence to a certain degree, but only to the degree at which it stops other innocent people from being harmed, right? So obviously, pr- police brutality implies they are overstepping that bounds, right? They are being unjust because they're not giving others their due. They're going to be and beyond and being unnecessarily violent. And that's obviously what happened in the case of, of George Floyd and just the oh, mean, almost equally evil act of the police officers who didn't stop that dude from kneeling on his neck for like eight or nine minutes. Y'all. I mean, that's just, that's garbage, total garbage. So as Catholics, we are, Firmly planted on the the ground of the church, which says all life is precious. And we also believe in justice, giving others their due. Always, always acting justly out of love. Love for God, love for neighbor. But also, if justice is our ground, then we can acknowledge that taking something that is not yours is unjust, it's not just, unjust. So the rioting and the looting is very obviously not just. And I think a lot of people at this point are, are really starting to see the difference between the protesters and the rioters. Because, I mean, they're, they're a vastly different group of people. Anybody with half a brain and has been watching the news, it is very, very obvious that there's two groups of people here. We have the protesters who are peacefully protesting, making their voices heard, or at least trying to make their voices heard. And then you have... The people who are are unfortunately just taking advantage of an awful, awful situation and they're, they're stealing. And w- with that, they're, they're innocent people are being murdered, which is obviously an extreme and evil form of injustice. I mean, shop owners that are literally just trying to protect their, their shop, their livelihoods, getting just beaten and killed. And it's just horrendous, y'all. So katahalos, it's going to be our Greek word for the day. It means of the whole. We are Catholics first and foremost. We are children of God. Sons and daughters of the divine king. And we, we strive to live these holy lives. And it's hard. And you're going to mess up. But I hope in some small or big way, you're finding, you're finding a way to to love people this week. To make sure others know that they are loved and they are cared for. No matter what your skin color is, no matter what your background is, you're a child of God. Katahalas. We're a universal church, y'all. And it's a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing. Uh, so with that being said, um, I do want to get into scripture. Um <laughs> Yeah, and so like I said, I I don't think it's prudent to just have it be a regular podcast pretending like nothing's happening because obviously stuff is happening. But at the same time, the show is called Catholics with Bibles. So I do want to get into a little bit of scripture today. And I was planning on, before all this, talking about um, the purity laws of the Old Testament. Uh, And this is going to, (laughs) in a weird way, it's going to tie back into our current situation. Uh, But a lot of the times, as Catholics, we... Try to read the Old Testament. And then we kind of get lost in the weeds of like Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, especially in Leviticus when it starts talking about all these different uh, purity laws, you know, being clean or unclean. And and the book of Exodus talks about it as well. And uh, it sounds weird. It sounds very foreign to us. But this is one of the, I mean, really, one of the most important social, cultural, religious concerns of the Israelites in the Old Testament and, and Jews of Jesus's day. Right. We have this idea of being holy and unholy to be pure, to be clean, to be unclean. So we have to kind of establish first of all, I mean, first off, why was this important? Well, we have Leviticus 19 too, It says you shall be holy for the Lord. Your God is holy. Right. So there is a bar that's set. That's, I mean, it's a pretty high bar. You have to be holy, He's the, the, Moses is telling the people of Israel. Why? Because God is holy. And Israel is the firstborn son of God in the Old Testament. So would they strive to imitate God, to be holy. If God is pure holiness, if God is purity itself, that means they strive to live in that same reality. You have also Leviticus 11 says, for I am the Lord, your God, consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy. And finally, Leviticus 20, we read, you shall be holy to me for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. So why be holy? So that we, the Israelites can be truly the people of God. And so there uh, is a distinguish distinguishing marks between you know holiness and cleanness and purity and unclean you know, and, and clean. And so we have this idea of holiness versus commonness, for lack of a better word. <laughs> to be holy or to be common. So common things aren't necessarily bad. They're just not holy. So holy, a very literal interpretation of holiness, is to be set apart. Set apart for what? Well, set apart for the, the service of God. Right. So an object is holy when it is set apart for the service of God. And so basically to be common is is everything else. Whatever is not holy is just common. Because we have to remember their matter in and of itself is, is impossible to be evil. Right. If it exists, it is created by God and therefore is good. Now, good things can be twisted and manipulated to be used for evil ends, but it just because something is not holy does not mean it is evil. It's just common. It's just not holy, right? It's just not being used for the service of God. So common things are divided into two groups. We have clean and unclean things. So clean or pure, uh, it can become holy if it's sanctified by the priest, Uh, but it can also become unclean. So a clean thing or a pure thing can become unclean or impure. So unclean things, once they're unclean, they cannot become sanctified in the Old Testament. Uh, And also they have this idea of this like uh, uncleanness or impurity is highly contagious in the Old Testament. You have like, you know, when you touch a a dead body, you, you, you instantly become unclean, you're impure at that point. Um, And so the holy must never come in contact with the unholy. So that's that word. uh, That makes it profane or sacrilege. So that's, you know, looking even uh, to mass, that's one of the reasons why we have to make sure that we go to confession and aren't in a state of mortal sin before receiving the Eucharist, right? Because we don't want to commit sacrilege. We don't want something that's infinitely holy, namely the Eucharist, to encounter something that is in a state of mortal sin, total separation from God, that'd be to profane it or to commit sacrilege, right? So, a holy thing for the Old Testament uh, can be defiled and it be- and it can become common, uh, even polluted or unclean. And so, in the Old Testament, it's things can be holy, in which means they're set apart for the service of God, but it is incredibly easy in the Old Testament for holy things to become not holy or common and therefore once they're common they can become you know impure and usually if you go from holy to common it automatically makes it impure or um, you know uh, unclean and so once again common things can either be clean or unclean clean things can become holy if they're sanctified unclean things cannot become holy until they're made clean and but that's different um so you look at this in terms of people, right? The Israelites. So the Israelites are holy initially. You know, after Moses makes that covenant between God and his people, they're a people set apart for the service of God. But what happens? The golden is the, uh, the incident of the golden calf. And we have to remember they didn't just worship the golden calf for the sake of worshiping of a golden calf, right? We have to remember the golden calf symbolized that threefold lust. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How so? Well, the bull represented power. So this golden calf represented power. They, they longed for power. They longed for control. They longed to you know, distinguish between good and evil, as Adam and Eve did. It was also made of gold, right? So the a delight to the eyes. They, it was a symbol of wealth of prosperity and in order to get that they had to worship the right way which in pagan cults a lot of the times it involved um adultery or sexual acts and that's that lust of the flesh literally the the sin of the golden calf when it says they worshiped and they rose to play that's a a euphemism a way to say that they had a, a Basically, a giant orgy, right? It was no bueno, and so that's why when the Levites stepped up and, and when Moses called, "Who will serve God?" and the Levites said, "We will," they then con- they they didn't give in. They consecrated themselves to God. They were holy. The Levites became priests in that moment, and so for uh, the people of Israel after the sin of the golden calf, it was possible to become unclean but then to become clean again in order to worship well. Uh, you have a lot of uh, cleansing rituals. Um, you have a lot of, uh, that's where the water, uh, where the wedding piece of Cana says, you know, Jesus found the, the jars filled with water uh, for the ritual purity. Um, so it was possible to, to clean yourself. And for, for serious sins, that's when that day of atonement, right when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and sacrifice uh, a bull. And then you have the scapegoat to take away his, his and the, the people's sins, Right, so that it can become holy in personal sense too. You can make burnt offerings, and um, so it is possible for the Israelites to become from uh, unclean to clean, and therefore to be put themselves in right relation with God in order for them to serve God accordingly. And so you had a lot of these purity laws, right? A lot of these purity laws because they didn't want to become unclean, right? They wanted to be in right relationship with God as His sons and daughters in order to serve him well. But the only only way to do that was these purity laws. So remember, before the sin of the golden calf, the only laws that God gave Moses at the time were the Ten Commandments, right? Ten Commandments, pretty basic stuff. And it was really just the moral law. It was only after Israel broke the covenant with God that all of those laws were added on. So the, the laws were added because of transgression. Scott Hahn puts it, it uh, talks about like scaffolding, right? So like uh, God was building this structure. It looked really good. The foundation was solid. And then the sin of the golden calf happened. And then the foundation cracked. And then because of that, the building started cracking and being, you know, leaning to the left and right. So all of these purity laws, think of it like scaffolding in order to repair the building but because of that you have a lot of extra stuff to look at you know the building itself is there but then all of these purity laws all of you know the what what do you have to what can you eat what can't you eat what can you do what can you not do what can you touch what can you not touch right all of those purity laws, all those uh, ritual laws, all the ceremonial laws that we don't have to obey as Christians now. We set to obey the moral laws. All of the ceremonial laws were then like the scaffolding around a building that went all the way up to, and, and down to the very foundation in order for God to repair the building and the foundation itself, namely with the new covenant through Jesus Christ. So we have to remember that the laws were added due to transgressions. All these crazy laws, and why? Well, we have it in the old testament this this key, this key instance where the people of Israel talk to Samuel saying, We want a king like the nations. We want a king like the other nations. So God knew that the people of Israel were looking towards the other nations in jealousy. Cause the other nations they had what the Israelites didn't have. They had power, they had success, they, you know, the way they worshiped like the sin of the golden calf was very pleasurable, right? And they they looked on longingly at these other nations. So God knew in order to keep the people of Israel to himself, to make sure they're they're walking the straight and narrow worshiping him, the only true God. He had to set up all of these different laws in order to make sure the people of Israel didn't give into idolatry, didn't start worshiping these other false gods. And this was super serious. I mean, incredibly serious. The, The purity laws were kept to the point of death. You can be put to death for, for breaking them. I mean, and really the purity laws were always linked to proper relation in order to worship properly. They were always linked to worship. If you weren't clean, if you weren't pure, you couldn't worship well, right? So purity laws follow after laws for sacrifice. If you read the Old Testament, how to sacrifice properly comes first, then the purity laws come after that. So it is how to be in a state of proper worship. God is a really smart guy. (laughs) Worship comes before everything. That is what life's about, is living in accordance and a proper relationship as sons and daughters of God. And really the only thing to put us in proper relationship with God is based on how we worship him in our everyday lives and in the particular instances of our liturgy and in all the ways that God is entrusting to us. In, in the Old Testament, this is really seriously. I mean, if you weren't pure and if you purposely broke some of these purity laws, you were cut off from Israel or put to death. I mean, death it was, it was a serious option for these people if they broke the Sabbath day, right? Or if they, like some of them, they committed child sacrifice. Obviously, that's a horrendous crime. So impurity was linked to death intentionally. And this is an allusion to mortal sin that we know of today. Sin is linked to death. That's how it has been from Genesis 3, right? At the fall of Adam and Eve. Did they die instantly, physically, right then and there? No, but they lost the grace of God in their soul. So in order to worship well, the Israelites had to be pure they had to be set apart for the worship of God because that is proper justice. God is our creator. He is our redeemer. And in a very just basic way, we owe God everything because he wills us to exist. And if he had stopped thinking about us for one second, we would literally stop existing. And just to give another their due, if God truly does hold us in existence, which that means we owe everything to him. So our lives should be oriented to him. And then on top of that, the gift of salvation offered in Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus died on a cross for us. So therefore, in, in justice, we our lives must be oriented, oriented to the proper worship of God. That is what life's about. Loving and serving God and worshiping Him. And if you think about this, love is willing the good of the other for the sake of the other. Well, how do you will the good of an infinitely good being? Well, this is where Jesus comes in and he says, if you love me, you love your brothers. If you love me, you do as I tell you, you obey my commandments and namely, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your, and all your strength and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to love God, if you want to worship him properly, that is, requires and mandates you to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm tying this back all into what's going on this week. If you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a Catholic, it means you love your neighbor to the point of death. It means you would do anything for your brothers and sisters in the hope that they will meet you in paradise. To be joined to our savior Jesus Christ. Which is once again why racism is blatantly, intrinsically, and always evil. And just stupid too, quite frankly. Just total crap. It's why police brutality also unjust. Not seeing God in the other. Also why looting And beating innocent people and murdering people is so obviously wrong. I mean, just, I'm baffled that we have to say this nowadays. You know, it's it's, it's 2020. The fact that we have to remind people that theft and murder is wrong is just beyond me. And, And just on more of a Catholic social teaching note, you know, some people have asked me, well, what about self-defense? You know, are you allowed to, to defend yourself? So what the church says is, if somebody is threatening you, obviously, yes, you can defend yourself. And you, once again, defend yourself, and you do what you have to do in order to stop the other person from harming you or somebody else. Right? That That's kind of the, that's the crown. So if somebody breaks into your house, you have... It is just for you to defend yourself. And so even when it comes to self-defense and if the other person dies, you did not commit murder. We have to distinguish that killing and murder are not the same thing. You can, somebody can kill somebody else without committing murder. It's a fine line, but it's there. Because if somebody breaks into my home and tries to attack my wife and child, and if they won't stop and I accidentally kill them or have to kill them in order to protect my child and wife because they've broken into my home. I did not commit murder. That was self-defense. Now obviously this is super situational and situational ethics is really tricky. It's really hairy and this is not a, a situational ethics podcast and I'm not a I'm not a philosopher. Um, I have a master's in biblical theology, but I know enough to talk about this. So that being said, you know, in all these situations, all these riots going on, it I means impossible to say who's starting it. Some of the time, you know, I can't even imagine how scared the cops must be. Could you imagine? You have maybe a thousand cops in the street, and then you have a, a giant crowd of ten thousand. I can't fathom how scared these cops must be. And so, when this violence starts, you know, is it, is it the cops starting it? Is it the rioters starting it? Is it, is it the protesters starting it? It's, it's. I mean. 99% of the time, I think it's going to be impossible to tell because what happens? Well, maybe, uh, the protesters or the rioters do start the violence. The police respond. Maybe the police are angry and they don't, can't control themselves. And maybe they strike first, or maybe the police is just scared out of his mind and somebody like f- flinches at him, but doesn't actually even plan to strike but the cop thinks he's going to strike and therefore reacts, right? I mean, that's the thing, y'all. It's, it's, so, it's so hairy. It's such a sticky situation. But we know that we have some foundational principles that we live by. Namely, that life is precious. All life, precious. And it's worth defending. All people are equal in the sight of God. And we strive to live justly. And ultimately that means we live holy lives that are dedicated to the worship of God through love of others. Through love of others. So y'all, wherever you're at, I hope you're safe. Pray for all this craziness. Pray for the innocent during this time, especially who are having their whole livelihoods just destroyed both materially and potentially in their very lives. Innocent people are being killed on both sides. And it's awful. It's so wrong. And I think too many times people on both sides, on the left and the right, are making arguments against the other side and just not being terribly nuanced and just not seeing the bigger picture. So as Catholics, let's strive for equality. Let's strive to love our brothers and sisters. Let's strive to make this a world where everyone, everyone is treated the same as sons and daughters of God, That, that we view the dignity of the other person, that we see Jesus Christ dwelling in them, And love them accordingly. Man, y'all, yeah, this is just crazy stuff. But remember, as Catholics, the first way we fight is through prayer. So I invite you to renounce this evil, renounce the evil spirit of pride of anger, of hate, of theft, of racism, renouncing these evils in your heart, first of all, and then in the world. And then try to find some way this week to love. Love somebody close to you, love somebody you don't know. Be of the whole. Katahalas. Be safe, y'all. God bless. So thank you so much for joining me with Catholics with Bibles. Once again, my name is Chase Krause. And uh, yeah, this week's been crazy. It's been crazy for everybody, but I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. I hope it brought you peace in some way. Striving to live holy, authentic, genuine Catholic lives. Always staying rooted and grounded in our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't forget to pray. Pray, pray, pray for our country. Pray for your loved ones. Be safe, y'all. God bless.